We ought to be praising God and worshiping. Instead of coming to church to get excited about the music or whatever it is, we should be coming to praise the Lord Jesus Christ for what He has done. Our great Savior who delivered us from our wickedness and our sin by dying for us. We ought to be praising Him. Thanks for joining us for this weekend edition of Equipping the Saints with Greg Lundstedt. Equipping the Saints is a daily radio outreach from Equipping Bible Church in Greer, South Carolina. And Greg, today you remind us why we must be diligent in our walk with Christ. You know, Dave, there is a lost and dying world that is watching us, and they are watching us to see if what we claim about Christ is true, or or rather, are we just a bunch of hypocrites? So the question is... How are we to live uh, so that Christ is exalted and that the lost see his life and love through us? That's what we're going to talk about on today's edition of Equipping the Saints. Our text is Titus chapter 3, and we're going to be looking at verse 3. Well, thanks, Greg. Now, if you want to listen to today's broadcast again, just download our new free app from the Apple App Store. You'll find today's broadcast, archived broadcasts, as well as more about this ministry and our teacher, Pastor Greg Lundstedt. Now, let's join Greg for today's message. We try to make them think like us, and we do it in ways that are ungodly, and we were once that way too. And folks, if you have not repented of your sins and trusted in Christ, by God's definition, you are a fool. You are foolish. You are ignorant of the truth. You are a fool But I need to remind us that we were all fools, all of us. What does Paul say in the book of Romans in chapter 3 as he sums up, as he sums up the case against everybody in mankind? He says in Romans chapter 3, as it is written, verse 10, there is none righteous, not even one. There are none who understands. We were once Foolish, right? Before Christ, we didn't understand. And some of you don't understand. And the only way you will understand is as God convicts you of your sin and you repent and believe in Christ, then you will understand. Apart from God's grace, love, mercy, convicting a heart and bringing salvation in Christ, we were all fools. And folks, we need to recognize when we deal in the world that they're foolish. They don't understand. Don't contend with them, but be forbearing. Let your gentleness be demonstrated towards them. Why? Because we were just like them too. And then God saved us. Everyone before Christ was without understanding. That's why we can't talk people into the kingdom. That's where apologetics falls flat on its face. They need to hear the gospel, the good news of Christ. And when someone believes and comes to faith in Christ, then will they believe in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and we don't need to convince them. Folks, in the churches these days, too, we have false teachers trying to win fools with fools' methods. Many of their converts are merely make-believers, still following their own desires, with them now renamed in Christian lingo. You can't win foolish with the foolish ways. It is the gospel alone. And folks, we were once ignorant, continually, habitually. 
But what else were we, folks? He says here, for we also once were foolish ourselves. And then he says, disobedient. We were once continually disobedient in the past, all the time. And from God's point of view, continually, habitually disobedient. And the same word translated in the Old Testament in the Septuagint, which is the Greek translation, speaks of rebellion. And the Greek word is apathes, which comes from a negation of patheo, which means to persuade. It speaks of not persuading. It came to have the idea of not believing or not being persuaded. And then ultimately the idea of not believing and thus not obeying. And therefore we have this term. It came to kind of understand the idea of being disobedient. One who disregards authority. Disregards what God says. Disobedient. And that was our state. That was our state. We were once this way. This word is used five times in Scripture, twice concerning disobedience to parents in Romans 1.30 and 2 Timothy 3.2, speaking of the degeneration of unbelieving society. It is used in Acts chapter 26, verse 19, concerning the Apostle Paul as he testifies before Agrippa that he was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. He obeyed what the Lord Jesus called him to when he saw Christ on the road to Damascus. And it was used spoken from the angel Gabriel to Zacharias concerning what John the Baptist would do in preparing the way for the Lord Jesus. Luke chapter 1, verse 17. And it is he who will go as a forerunner before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of their fathers back to their children and the disobedient, that's everyone without Christ, to the attitude of the righteous so as to make ready people prepared for the Lord. And lastly, it's a characteristic of false teachers back in Titus earlier in chapter 1, the very last verse. He says they profess to know God. They claim to know God, but by their deeds they deny him being detestable and, here we go, disobedient and worthless for any good deed. Folks, this is what we used to be continually, habitually like, disobedient. We were fools. We were disobedient. Why do we contend with those who don't know God, expecting them to be obedient? We need to forbear. I'm not talking about letting sin go by. I'm talking about forbearing. Because they can't help it. They need Christ. They need to be changed by Christ before they can do what Christ says. Don't contend with them, but share the gospel with them. Because we were just like them foolish and disobedient in need of salvation. So first of all, we see we were foolish and disobedient. We need to remember that. Secondly, we're going to see we were passively led astray. For we, back to Titus chapter 3, verse 3, for we also once were foolish ourselves, disobedient. And then we have a participle, which is really connecting to this idea of what we once were. We were this way, and then we were passively here, deceived, he says. You could say it this way, for we also once were deceived. The term deceived comes from the Greek word planaio, which speaks of wandering or straying. And this verb is in the passive voice, which speaks of going astray. It speaks of being led astray. In the active voice, it speaks of actually you going astray. In the passive voice, it speaks of being led astray, thus being deceived. And this is the state of mankind apart from Christ. He says we were once also deceived. We were deceived. We were led astray. We weren't thinking right. Now who is it that led us astray? 
who is behind this deception? What is the source of this deception? Revelation 12.9, And the great dragon was thrown down, the serpent of old, who is called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. Same word. And he has his minions and imposters who also deceive. We know from 2 Timothy 3.13 that evil men and imposters will proceed from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. The Apostle John makes it clear in 2 John verse 7 that many deceivers have gone out into the world. And Paul warns the Roman church, all the church, to be keeping their eye out for those who cause dissensions and hindrances contrary to the teaching. And why, he says, because they're smooth and flattering speech, they deceive the hearts of the unsuspecting. And we saw earlier in Titus chapter 1, verse 10, for there are many rebellious men, empty talkers, and deceivers. So certainly Satan deceives, his false teachers deceive, and we need to recognize that's true, but we need to also recognize that we deceive ourselves also. Paul says many times, let no man deceive himself. 1 Corinthians 3.18, let no man deceive himself. If any man thinks he is wise in this age, let him become foolish that he may become wise. If you think you're smart, you're really not. Recognize you're really a fool that you may become wise. Galatians 6.3, if any man thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. We can deceive ourselves really well. We have Satan deceiving, we have false teachers deceiving, and we can deceive ourselves. And the scripture says, before we came to Christ, we were deceived. We were led astray. We were led astray. We lived in a continual, habitual state of being deceived. Let me give you some examples. We were deceived to believe that we could find fulfillment through our own desires. Scripture says the wages of sin is death. We were deceived to believe that religion apart from Christ was worth something. James 1.26, if anyone thinks himself to be religious and yet doesn't bridle his tongue, if Christ hasn't changed your heart and ultimately your mouth, he deceives his own heart. This man's religion is worthless. We were deceived to believe that we could live any way we want without consequence. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, this he will reap. We were deceived to believe that God would not judge us for our sins when we died, that he wouldn't cast us into hell inasmuch as it is appointed to men once to die and after this comes the judgment. Or do you not know that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? 1 Corinthians 6, 9. Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor reviles, nor swindlers shall inherit the kingdom of God. We lived in a state of being deceived. Recognize that about those who don't know Christ. Recognize that, that we were once there. What's the point? Remember, we were once continually habitually deceived. Therefore, we need to be ready for every good deed. Malign no one, not contend with them, but be gentle and yielding. Brother and sister, do you contend with the deceived? We were once like them. We were once like them. Until Christ saved us. Well, what else do we see here? We were passively led astray. We were taken captive by these ideas which were not true. In our ignorance, we were pulled away passively. Next, we see what we were doing actively when we were not saved. For we were once also foolish ourselves, disobedient, deceived, and then he says, enslaved to various lusts. 
And here we see the word enslaved, duleo. We were, we were bond slaves to various lusts. Now at this point, I actually prefer the New King James translation because it translates this serving, not enslaved. Enslaved sounds like an impassive sense, right? I'm enslaved, I'm being held captive. Here, it's active. I was serving my own lusts. Serving these things. Actively serving. We were passively led astray and deceived, but we were actively serving various lusts and pleasures. That's what our lives are like. And some of you are like that today. That is your life, and that is a conviction from God that you don't know Christ. That's the way we were. He says when we were serving various, or the term various speaks of multifaceted, multicolored, all sorts of different lusts. The term lust means just desires, it's will. God's desires or our will. We served all sorts of different desires, and we served our pleasures Pleasure speaks of gratification. That's what we served. That's who we served. And if you don't know Christ, what you do each day is serve your own will and you serve your own pleasures. And that identifies you as someone who does not know Christ. If you don't know Christ, you serve your own will, you serve your own desires, you serve your own pleasures, and you slave to these things. And brothers and sisters, we were all that way. All of us. All of us. Now, I could go off and describe all sorts of lusts and pleasures, but the bottom line is speaking of our own desires. Before Christ, we continually habitually did our will rather than God's will. Before Christ, we continually sought to please ourselves rather than God. And if you seek your own will and you seek to please yourself, I would examine yourself to see if you're in the faith. Because we all were that way before Christ. It's pretty simple. Oh yes, when we offer ourselves to sin, we become slaves. But here, it's saying that we continually serve these things. Please understand that this passage is saying the non-believer can do nothing other than this. Why do we expect more from them? Why do we evangelize in ways that tries to change their behavior rather than change their hearts? The non-believer can do nothing other than this, and they need Christ. Therefore, we should not malign them, contend them, or show harshness towards them. They're trapped, and they need Christ. Now, not only do we need to remember that we were foolish and disobedient, continually being led astray and also actively serving our lusts, we need to see also that we were continually malicious and covetous towards others. Verse 3, and it's ugly. It's an ugly picture of mankind apart from Christ. It's ugly. For we also once were foolish ourselves, disobedient, deceived, enslaved to various lusts and pleasures. And he says, spending our life in malice and envy. Term spending our life, Diego. Dia means through. Ago is leading. To lead through. We led our lives in this path of malice and envy. What's malice mean? Kakai. It, it speaks of an evil disposition towards doing harm towards others. Bent on doing harm towards others, it obviously stems from one's selfish desires. We all understand this, right? When we don't get our own way, we internally feel a desire to harm those who are inhibiting us from getting our way. That's malice. Not may not be outward harm, but it, there's other ways we harm people. That's the way we lived. Little malice, big malice. This is how we used to live, and this is how some of you live right now. It's how we spent our lives. We spent our lives getting upset 
at people. We spend our lives getting upset at those around us. We spend our lives this way. Secondly, he says we spend our lives in malice and envy. Now, we need to recognize jealousy and envy aren't exactly the same thing, even though they are related. One pastor writes, jealousy and envy are close in meaning, but nevertheless are expressive and of distinct attitudes. For jealousy makes us fear to lose that which we possess, while envy creates sorrow that others have what we do not have. In other words, we are jealous of our own possessions, but we are envious of another man's possessions. We lived our lives in envy. And folks, envy is the wicked attitude condemned throughout Scripture, which characterizes all non-believers, including ourselves before we came to Christ. The attitude which manifests resentment, maybe even malice towards those who have an advantage. Get upset because maybe they're doing better than us. Maybe they have this or that. It's envy. It's wicked. We all lived that way. This is the way we used to be before Christ. Every non-believer lived out the course of their life in some way, shape, or form, as God says, with resentment or malice towards those who had an advantage over them, whether it's financial, physical, spiritual, whatever it might be, it's all envy. It's all envy. And lastly, here we see that we once viciously hated one another. Again, verse 3, For we also once were foolish ourselves, disobedient, deceived, enslaved to various lusts, terrible list here, folks, and pleasures, spending our lives in malice and envy, hateful, hating one another. Second phrase, hateful. It's only used once in Scripture, this word. It speaks of the demeanor of hate, and then we have the action of hate, hating one another. We live by nature hating one another. The word is maseo. It speaks of a strong dislike or an aversion with the implication of hostility. Sometimes we don't see hate in that manner. Strong dislike. Having a strong aversion. We live that way. We live that way. We all once lived this way. There you have it. God's description of the believer before Christ, which is the description of everyone who is not saved. For we also once were foolish ourselves. We didn't understand. We were disobedient. We didn't do what God says. We didn't believe it. We were deceived. We were led astray. We were slaves to our own desires and lusts. We spent the course of our lives in malice, envy, and hate. Well, how are we to treat unbelievers who are like this, no matter how nice they may seem on the outside? How are we to treat him? How are we to treat foolish, disobedient, deceived, hateful man? How do we treat him? Oh, our flesh wants to contend with them, to speak evil because of their evil. Oh, our flesh does not want to be gentle and considerate. Brothers, we need to remember we were once that way. And sisters, we were once this way. We were also disobedient fools who were led astray, serving our own desires, deceived, Hateful men and women, full of malice and envy. Why do we contend with the deceived? We need to share the gospel with them. We were once like them. Now, some of you are saying, possibly, I was never that way. I was never that way. Well, I tell you today that you're self-deceived. 
because God says we were all this way. We're all this way. This is the way we were. And we need to understand it, and it ought to motivate us to a couple things. First, it ought to motivate us to be thankful that God has saved us from that. We ought to be praising God and worshiping. Instead of coming to church to get excited about the music or whatever it is, we should be coming to praise the Lord Jesus Christ for what he has done. Our great Savior who delivered us from our wickedness and our sin by dying for us. We ought to be praising him and thanking him for what he has done. And secondly, we ought to be behaving righteously because of that towards those who do not know him. Now there's some of you here today who have not repented of your sins and trusted in Christ as Lord. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And God is gracious from his word today to show you where your heart is. And I exhort you today to believe in the Lord, to repent of your sins and trust in Christ alone, for only he can save you. For it is appointed man once to die, and then the judgment. You will die and stand before the Lord for your sin. For all these things that stem from your nature apart from God, you will stand accountable for those. But Jesus Christ, a gracious God, came and bore our sins in his body on the cross that we might die to sin and live to God. He paid the price and he rose from the dead. If you cry out from your heart of hearts to Christ, you will be saved. Maybe God has opened your heart to see yourself from his viewpoint, and it's not very pretty. I pray that you cry out to him for salvation. And what about us, brothers and sisters? We ought to be falling on our knees again, thanking him, praising him. And we ought to have a compassion and act righteously towards those who are just like we used to be. It ought to motivate us to behave righteously towards those who are just where we used to be because we were just like them. But Christ saved us. For we also were once foolish ourselves, disobedient, deceived, enslaved to various lusts and pleasures, spending our life in malice and envy, hateful, hating one another, But when the kindness of God, our Savior, and his love for mankind appeared, he saved us. If you've just joined us, you've been listening to Equipping the Saints with Greg Lundstedt. You can hear today's message again by visiting our website, etsradio.org. That's etsradio.org. CDs of today's message or other messages are available at our website as well. And as a part of the ministry of Equipping the Saints, all our audio resources are available at no cost to you, thanks to the Lord's provision through the faithful support of friends of this broadcast. To order your complimentary CD, call us toll-free 1-800-596-9144. That's 800 800- Five nine six nine one four four. If you prefer to request your complimentary CD by email, our email address is contact at etsradio.org. Friend, before we close today's broadcast, I want to talk to you directly about your eternal destiny. If you were to die right now, do you know where you would spend eternity? If you're unsure, here are some important questions to answer. Do you believe that you are a sinner in need of forgiveness, that you've sinned against a holy God? 
Do you believe that you are unable to do anything about your sinful condition? Do you believe that Jesus is God, that he took on human flesh, that he came and lived the sinless life and went to the cross and died for your sins? He was buried and rose from the dead three days later. Do you believe that his work on the cross was sufficient to forgive you of your sins? Are you willing to acknowledge that until you repent of your sins and turn to the Lord Jesus to save you, that you deserve hell and will be sent there? If you believe these things and want to receive Jesus' offer of eternal salvation, then you need to turn to him and ask him. Whoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Father, I thank you so much for your word and your son Jesus. And I pray for those listening today who who do not know you, who still are in their sins, that they would turn from their sin and trust in your son Jesus Christ for salvation, that they would be saved. Father, we thank you for your word and we thank you for your son. And it is in his name we pray. If you've taken that eternally important step, we'd love to come alongside you in your new relationship with Christ. So would you take a moment and contact us? We'd like to send you our new believers packet. In that packet, you'll find a message from our teacher, Greg Lundstedt, some helpful Bible study tools, and a Bible. It's our gift to you to help you in your new relationship with Christ. You can request your New Believers Packet online at etsradio.org, or if you prefer, call us toll-free 1-800-596-9144. That's 800-596-9144. And from all of us at Equipping the Saints, welcome to the family.